God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. As most of you know, on the 19th of January, while preaching at a church in Transamera, Kenya, Africa, at a Maasai tribal church, after about a four-hour service, we came out of the church about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and we had a visitation from the Lord Jesus. We were very tired and uh, had been going without sleep for a couple of nights. And after that service, uh, the Lord came down on us very, very heavily in a visitation. For about two hours, the basic bottom line, he said, seal my people by my word. As I send the angel from the east, having the seal of the living God, so send I you. That lets us know when the last of the last days. We know the signs of the times are here. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. We know there's wars and rumors of wars, kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation, famine, earthquakes, earthquakes in diverse places. We know that. It's been there for years. But now... We're seeing 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, happening before our eyes. And that basically is that iniquity shall abound. The love of many will wax cold. Iniquity is lawlessness. No civil law in the land. Not the Holy Ghost. Not the power of God unto salvation. Because the Holy Ghost will be with us always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Matthew 28, 19. Well... In 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul talks about the gathering together unto the Lord Jesus in the air, the rapture, that you be not shaken in mind or letter or by angel or as by letter from us, Paul said, as that the day of Christ is at hand. This is our gathering together unto the Lord in the air. For that day won't come until there come a falling away first. A falling away of the faith. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 says, The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith. They were in the faith, but they departed from it. Why? Giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and abstaining from meats, which God has sanctified by the word of God in prayer. These evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, calling good evil and evil good. Jesus warned of these times in John 16. He said, Behold, I have forewarned you that you should not be offended, for the time will come that they will put you out of their synagogues, out of their churches. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he did God a service. We are in these days. Why? Because there's no revelation of Jesus. These things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. If you had known the Father, Jesus said, you should have known me. Because in John 8, 24, he said, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. This they understood not. He spake to them of the Father. Well, what is this work that we're called for? Well, Jesus gave gifts unto men. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. 
Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Matthew 5, be you therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And then goes on to say in Matthew 7, not all that say to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in because you did not do the will of God. Then will they begin to profess unto Jesus. Lord, we've done many wonderful works in your name. We prophesied in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Iniquity is lawlessness. Not being led of the Spirit of God. Not in obedience unto righteousness. We're back to that faith without works is dead. Being alone. Can faith alone save you? No. Not the works of the law, by which no flesh shall be saved, but the righteous, righteousness of God by faith. He that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, through him and by him alone. Righteousness is how grace reigns. Grace reigns through righteousness. You see, grace is just not the unmerited favor of God. It is the effectual working of the Holy Ghost upon the heart and the spirit. And that outward reflection in life, yielding the peaceable fruits of the spirit, which are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, against such there is no law. Galatians 5.22 You'll know them by their fruits. The fruit of the Spirit must be there. If it doesn't bring forth fruit, Jesus said, that branch will be cut off and cast away. Well, he's looking for fruits. He's looking for the works that accompany salvation. That's the reason in Revelation 2 and in Revelation 3, Jesus, after addressing every church, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, I know thy works. In Revelation 3, the Sardis church, he said, I know thy works, and I have not found them perfect. Perfect works? We're called unto perfection. But because of iniquity, the love of many will wax cold. You see in that Second Thessalonians, that second chapter, Paul had to write another letter to the church at Thessalonica because they thought that the imminent return of Jesus was at any second, any minute, any hour, any day. So Paul had told them in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet together the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort you one another with these words. Well, they took it to being that Jesus could come any, any day, any the imminent return. But then he goes on, writes another letter to explain. He said, now see that your faith groweth exceedingly. That faith has to grow. And the charity of every one of you aboundeth one toward another. Brethren, we're bound to thank God for you. 
in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you might be accounted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. You see, we're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer for his name's sake. For if you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. 1 Peter 4.1, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, be ye therefore likewise minded. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that we would no longer serve sin in the flesh. We have to walk in the law of the spirit of life. Therefore, doing, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. And because iniquity will abound, the love of many will wax cold. Iniquity is lawlessness. Evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse. We find that that coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and are gathering together unto him in Second Thessalonians, the second chapter, that that day won't come except until there's a falling away first. The man of sin be revealed, who opposeth all that is God or that is worshipped, so that he as God setteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That temple is not an iron, H-E-I-R-O-N. It's not a physical temple that we have to have the mosque of Omar torn down, and a temple built upon the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. It is naos, the same word for temple that Jesus used in John 2. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Well, no man can raise up his own body except he be God. Yes, this will prove that Jesus is the Son of God through the Spirit, by the resurrection from the dead, that Jesus will raise up his own body of flesh and blood. The Jews said 40 and 6 years were they in building this temple, and you're going to raise it up in three days? But Jesus spake of the temple, not iron, not a physical temple, not a brick-and-mortar temple, but naos, a spiritual temple, the temple of his body. In the days of his flesh, Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. Past tense. 1 Timothy 3.16 Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, the God life. God was manifest in the flesh. Not God Jr. Not a second person of the Godhead. God himself. All that God is, was, or ever will be, was manifest in the flesh. Past tense, was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Literally, preached unto the Gentiles. Seen of angels. Believed on in the world. Received up into glory. That's Jesus Christ. God manifest, that was manifest in the flesh. The manifesto. In that flesh was God Almighty. That's the manifesto. God manifest. Well, now Jesus said it's expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, will not come. 
Well, who is that Holy Ghost? Well, Jesus in the days of his flesh, because he had not fulfilled the law yet. There in fulfilling the law by his own human would literally take the ordinances of that law and nail it to his cross, thereby breaking down the middle wall of partition between God and all mankind. Even though God is manifest in the flesh, that wall is still there. That wall of partition, that ordinances of that law that have to be satisfied and redeemed in the price shed blood of the perfect, spotless, blameless Lamb of God. Jesus is tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He is our kinsman redeemer. He, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman. How? The word, which is God himself, was made flesh, and that flesh was made of a woman. Made in under the law, not above it, and under the law. Why? To redeem us that were under the law. For God was manifest in the flesh, but not an Adam before the fall, an Adam after the fall, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Therefore, Jesus, Galatians 4, verse 4, how did God send forth his Son? There's no word said the Spirit, Father, said unto Spirit Junior, the Son of God, go down there and die for the sin of the world. It doesn't exist because it is an error. There's no God Junior. There's only one body, one Spirit. That Spirit is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is that Spirit who is Jesus alone. But there's a revelation there. God had to have a man to redeem us. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, and death by sin, therefore by one man, shall my servant make many righteous. A man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. God looked for a man, searched for a man. He was amazed he could find none. Therefore, his own arm of flesh brought salvation into himself. Isaiah 59, 15 and 16. He said he looked for a man. And therefore, his own arm brought salvation to me, to God himself, God's own arm. Isaiah 63, 5. Who is that? Who is this servant? That God, Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, who created all things, whether it be thrones, principalities, powers, things visible, invisible, all things were made by him, for him, and for his good pleasure. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Jesus Christ. Well, that is the Word, that is the Father, that is the Holy Ghost, but he has not taken on, taken on a body of flesh and blood yet because the Son of God has two components. Number one, he's the Spirit of God without measure. Number two, manifest in a body of flesh and blood. Therefore, the Son of God in his humiliation is God who has made himself of no reputation, laid aside his glory. Philippians 2, 6 through 8. And by making himself of no reputation, laying aside his glory, he's going to work salvation as a man. So Jesus, who's, who is in the form of God, doesn't, call, doesn't think it's robbery to be equal to God, but makes himself, God makes himself of no reputation. Kenosis. Literally empties out of glory. 
That's God himself. The Father, the glory laid aside just like the high priest did in the Old Testament in Leviticus 16 on the Day of Atonement. Day of Atonement, Yom, Yom Kippur, the high priest will lay aside his garments of glory and beauty and become one with the people, putting on the linen garments, becoming one with the people of God. Then after, he makes all the sacrifices and the goat, the two goats, and the goat of Azazel. And after he's done all of the offerings, he goes back into the sanctuary. After the, the mercy seat is sprinkled seven times, after all the offerings are done, he takes off his garments there of linen, the linen garments, laid them aside, never to be worn again, once and for all, and puts back on his garments of glory and beauty. Your Lord Jesus, your great high priest, did the same thing for you and each one of us individually. He saw his seed upon the cross. He tasted death for every man and became one of us as our kinsman redeemer. After he had died, was buried, and rose again, declared to be the spotless, blameless Lamb of God, the Son of God, through the Spirit, by the resurrection of the dead, he went back to the glory of the Father, glorified with the Father's own self, not with the glory of the Son of God, but the glory which he had with the Father before the world was. Before the foundation of the world. John 17, 5. That revelation of Christ is what will be revealed in the work of the ministry. The final work. The final judgments of God will be to reveal that Jesus only is God. Beside him there is no other Savior. He is the Lord Jehovah God, thy Redeemer. And that's the reason for the judgment in the last days. For thy judgments are manifest in the earth. It's a strange work. Bring to pass this act is a strange act. Judgment is laying to the land. Righteousness to the plummet. That he will reveal Christ. Christ in the height is God. In his depth he became a man. How? He made himself of no reputation. Laid aside his glory. He's always been God and always will be God. That form, Morpha, is forever, eternal. So Jesus, who being in the form of God, spirit, God is a spirit, has always been God, always will be God. But in order to redeem mankind back to himself, he lays aside his glory, making it void, latent, not moving in that, because a man lost it, only a man can redeem us back. And all were conceived in sin, sacred, and iniquity, None good, no, not one. Therefore, he looked for a man, couldn't find one. Therefore, God's own arm of flesh brought salvation to himself. How did he do it? Well, he laid aside his glory. He made himself of no reputation. Philippians 2, 6 through 8. And took upon him another form. He was in the form of God, still is, always will be. Form Morpha is eternal. It's an eternal state. He's spirit. Always has been spirit. Always will be spirit. But he took upon him the form of a servant. He added to his spirit. Not going to work his spirit. The form of a servant. 
the form of a servant. God, I told you, is a strange work. Our kinsman redeemer is God himself, Emmanuel, God with us. Not a second person of the Godhead, God himself. Jesus stated so in John, in John 10, 30. He said, I and my Father are one. Heis, H-E-I-S, one and the self-same spirit. We're not a different spirit. There's no second person. We're the same exact spirit. Jesus said, I and my Father, we're one. Well, how can that be when Jesus said, my Father is greater than I? Well, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, God himself, the Spirit of God, Elohim, the Lord Jehovah, Yahweh, has laid aside his glory, made himself in a self-imposed limitation, made himself of no reputation, Philippians 2, 6. And he takes upon him a form, another form, the form of a servant. Why? made in the likeness of men. Why? Because a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. He didn't take on him the, the nature of angels. He took upon him the seed of Abraham. Well, and being found in fashion as a man, God, fashioned as a man, humbled himself. God humbled himself. Here's the love of God for you right there. And not when we were righteous, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not that we first loved him, but he first loved us and gave himself for us, a ransom for many, tasting death for every man, going to the cross, proceeding from the Father, literally the same spirit who made himself of no reputation to lay aside the glory, still God just laying aside his glory, and take him upon him the form of a servant to work salvation in and of himself alone. Who is that servant? Who is that man? Who is that man, Christ Jesus? Isaiah 43.10, Isaiah, that major prophet, tells us exactly who he is. Thus saith the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital, capital D, Yahweh. The Tetragrammaton, the Yod HaWaha. Yahweh. The Lord God Himself, the Spirit of God, the Father of glory. El Shaddai, the Almighty God, the Omnipotent, Omniscient, Omnipresent God, made Himself of no reputation, laid aside His glory, took upon Him the form of a servant. He's God manifest in the flesh. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Who's born in the city of David? Christ the Lord. Christ, that spirit, the Lord, the Lord Jehovah, God Almighty. Manifest. Literally walking with us. The Son of God being the Father revealed, the expressed image of his singular person. Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 3. There we find that the Word was made flesh. Who's this Word? Well, it's the Father. It's that Spirit. The Father, Word, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one. One and the same Spirit. A different function. The Father, He's the creator of all things. And who's that? Jesus. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, that's Jesus. Created all things. God did it. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Genesis 1, verse 1. How did He do it? And God said, well, the Word was with God. 
The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. It was with God. But then God said, and the Word went out and created. It's the same Spirit. Not a different Spirit. The Word is Spirit. The Word is life. And everything together today in the whole cosmos, everything is held together by the Word of His power. The power of the Holy Ghost. Word, the Father, one and the same Spirit. Not two or three different ones. Somebody said it's hard to understand. No, it's not. It's very easy. There's only one. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. One. That's heist. Not whom? Not a compound unity. Not somehow or another three and one or one, you know. It's nonsense. There's one spirit. Now, there's many functions, different ministrations of that spirit, but it's still but one spirit. He's the Father. He created all things. He's the Word. That's the thought, plan, purpose, and will of God, the Logos. He is the Holy Ghost. That's the power of that Spirit of God. And all the Jehovah titles, Jehovah Tadishkinu, the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. That Lord is none other than Jesus Christ. The Jehovah Rofika, the Lord that heals thee. All of these, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. The Lord is present. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. Whatever title is nothing but Jesus only. And we have this revelation because we have jumped track. We have not given him the glory due unto his name. Jesus is Jehovah is salvation. We got Jehovah Junior, but we haven't given him the glory due to his name because of that. The last book in the word of God is Jesus is going to be revealed of who he is. It's going to be through judgments. It's going to be through the greatest work that this world has ever seen when God does his work, his strange work, and brings to pass his act, his strange act. Don't mock it unless your bands be made strong, the bands of your heart. For I have heard of the Lord of hosts a consumption, a consuming fire, a consumption decreed upon all the inhabitants of the land. Oh, earth, 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 hear ye the word of the Lord. This overflowing scourge uh, has surprised the hypocrite. It will literally show the hiding place of the ones that have made a, an agreement with death, saying that no tribulation, no persecution, no work is going to affect us. We're saved. Babylon says, I said a queen. I'm already married to Jesus. I am no widow. I, I'm married to him now. And I will see no sorrow. Yet, she wears every color except blue. She's decked with purple, scarlet. All manner of pearls. But she can't wear the blue. Why? Because she will never give Jesus the glory of the Father. The blue expanse is God of glory, the God of heaven. That's the reason the red, the scarlet, never touched the blue. It was always there a gold, scarlet, purple, blue. Why? If you make scarlet and blue together, you get purple. Purple is the king of kings and lord of lords. But the scarlet never touched the blue. She can't wear the blue. She'll preach the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the purple. 
She'll preach the scarlet. Yes, the man died. But she'll never say and give that man the glory. He is the father. She cannot wear the blue. Can never wear the blue. And therefore will always be against Christ as an antichrist. Because the revelation of Christ will, will be revealed in the last days. In the revealing, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ is simply that. It is the unveiling of Jesus Christ and who he is. And the glory that will be due to his name for every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. That Lord is not Lord Jr., is not a second person of the Godhead, is the Lord Jehovah, God Almighty. Who will it be to the glory? The glory for who? To the glory of the Father. He went to the glory of the Father. Jesus, after he fulfilled that law, took the ordinances of that law that he was under as a man of flesh. God, he still got, but the law was still there. That is the reason why Jesus in the days of his flesh had to pray to show us the way, the truth, and the life because he became one of us. Even though he's God, he's made himself of no reputation. The law is still there. He's made an under the law as a man. He's still God, but he's not working as spirit. He's working as a man of flesh and blood just like you and just like me because a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. When you see Isaiah 43.10 tells us exactly who he is. Thus saith the Lord, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the Spirit of God, the invisible Spirit of God. Omnipresent everywhere. Omniscient, all-knowing, and omnipotent, almighty. And he says, God says himself, thus saith the Lord, Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And my servant, whom I have chosen. Well, that certainly sounds like there's two, because if you chose someone, it couldn't be you. It's a servant. My servant, whom I have chosen. Well, to the natural mind, it sounds like there's two. That there's the Father and then the Son being a separate person. Well, it seems right to a man, but the end there over the ways of death. Because God goes on in the book of Isaiah, the prophet tells us, Thus saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen. You know, he took upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man. Philippians 2, 6-8. Who is that servant? That you may know and believe me and understand God said. Understand not through denominations, not through these false apostles or false prophets, but through the Lord God himself that you may understand and know and believe me, God said. Isaiah 43.10. What is it, Jesus, that you may know, believe me, and understand that I am he? Oh, No. That literally turns over every denomination just about on the face of this earth in 99.9%. .9 Radical. 
that God himself would be our Savior by literally making himself of no reputation and taking on the form of a servant. And God says that servant, my servant is me. I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. God formed himself a body of flesh and blood and literally put a self-imposed limitation upon himself, made himself of no reputation to work only as a man. And therefore, because he's working as a man, made in under the law and God is spirit, that law is still there. It is a wall of partition. Still in God's own body of flesh and blood, Jesus, the man, has to pray to that spirit to glorify his own human back to himself. He's tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He is our kinsman redeemer. He's become one of us. And by doing so, tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He was 415. That's the reason why he won't start his ministry until age 30. Numbers 4 states, the high priest under the law will not take his office until age 30. He's mentioned six times. At the age of 30, the high priest, not just the priesthood, the high priest takes his office at age 30. Well, what would happen? Well, the high priest would, uh, when his son reached 30, age 30, that he would uh, do three things. Number one, he would anoint him with oil. Number two, lay hands on him. Number three, he would speak over him. Thou art a high priest in my stead. By reason of death, he would retire. The son then would take over the office of the high priest from that day forward. And he could not continue by reason of death, the book of Hebrews tells us. But Jesus, this will be a priesthood after the order of Melchizedek because it's an unchangeable priesthood. And therefore, it will not be of the tribe of Levi. It will be of Judah, for the Lord sprang out of Judah. So therefore, when Jesus reaches age 30, why 30? Because the law states it. He's fulfilling the law as a man, not as God, as a man. He's got to have a man. Isaiah 59, 16. Isaiah 63, 5. Philippians 2, 6 through 8, Romans 5. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, and death by sin, therefore by one man shall my servant make many righteous. As the offenses of one, so also the free gift is of one. A man lost it, only a man can redeem us back. God's spirit, he can't die, can't be tempted. Let no man say what he's tempted, he's tempted of God. God tempted no man. Every man was tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust, lust conceived, bring forth sin. Sin's conceived, bring forth death. Therefore, God, when in the fullness of time, sent forth his son. How? The word. The word's him. It's his spirit. And the word was made flesh. And when he did, we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who is this son of God? No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, the only Yaqui, the only unique one. God manifests in the flesh. He is in. He hath declared him. How? He, and who is in the bosom right then is in the bosom of the Father. Not at death. 
He's in the bosom of the Father. He is that spirit, always has been that spirit. John 1, 18. A man seen God any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom, in the bosom, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. How? Because he is that spirit manifest in flesh. But he's working salvation as a man and under the law and Adam after the fall. Therefore, he's tempted at all points like as we are. His vicious will be marred more than any other man. Not only will he literally on his, on the flesh and his, in his body will suffer, but his soul will be in an agony, an exponential agony that he will suffer. And then, after he has literally been tempted in all points of that law and found no sin in his body, soul, or spirit, then as a free will sacrifice, as a free will offering, no man taketh his life from me, Jesus said. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This I've received of my Father. Well, Jesus said that in John 2. Destroy this temple in three days. I will raise it up. He knows then he's the spirit that's laid back, latent, but after that he has fulfilled that law and he has taken the ordinances of that law and nailed it to his cross, thereby breaking down that middle wall of partition between God and mankind, thereby making one new man. Who is that man? Well, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. But that last Adam, that last man, was made a quickening spirit. The Lord is that spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So in the days of his flesh, Jesus would tell his disciples, I'll pray the Father to send you another comforter. Why? Because he is still under that law, even though he's God manifest in the flesh, with, with the Spirit of God given to him without measure. Yet it's latent, it's laid back because he's working salvation only as a man. And uh, then he goes at age 30 because the law states that the high priest takes his office then. He can start working on our behalf at age 30, but not after a Levite, after the Levitical priesthood of Aaron, but after the order of Melchizedek. So what happens? He goes to John the Baptist who is the son of Zechariah, who was the course of Abijah, of the Aaronic priesthood in the Levitical line, and says, baptize me. Why? Because uh, there he's going to begin his ministry as our great high priest. What happens? Well, the natural Levitical priest, high priest, would take his son at age 30, I pour oil on him, number one. Number two, lay hands on him. And number three, speak over him. And then he would retire and the son would take over. Well, Jesus said, John, the Baptist, baptize me. He said, I have need to be baptized of you. You're that Lamb of God that's taken away the sin of the world. I'm not worthy to stoop down and undo your shoe latches. 
He says, suffered to be so. Why? To fulfill all righteousness. What's righteousness? He came from God. He is that same spirit that proceeded from the Father, manifest in the earth as a man in his humiliation, becoming one of us, humbled himself to be one of us, mankind, then is going to glorify the Father and literally glorify his own human back to himself with the ultimate sacrifice of shedding his own blood, dying for the sin of the world. Well, it's a progression. So therefore, Jesus... He would always have to pray to the Father because he's still in a body of his flesh and the spirit that he is is made of no reputation so he can fulfill that law as a man, not as spirit man, but as a man, making the spirit of no reputation, laid back, latent, not moving. Well, at age 30, he can begin his office of the high priest under the law. So he goes to John the Baptist and says, baptize me. It's time for me to begin my ministry. Well, John said, I'm not worthy to do this. But Jesus said, suffer to be so, to fulfill all righteousness, not to wash away my sins. That's the reason we get baptized today, born of the water for the remission of sins, that the body of the sins of the flesh might be destroyed by baptism, but not Jesus. Why? Because it's for righteousness' sake. To fulfill the word. It's therefore, all the things written of him. Therefore, at age 30, Jesus goes down to be John, baptized of John the Baptist in Jordan. And three things. Number one, John lays hands on him. Number two, puts him under the water. Number three, would speak over him. But before he speaks, there's a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son. Capital S-O-N. My same spirit manifest in flesh. Somebody says, that can't be. Well, the Father's the invisible spirit. The Son is that spirit made manifest in flesh, but the spirit has made him no reputation as a man. But the law is still there. Therefore, there's still a difference because the law is still separating God from man, even though God has become a man. The law is still there. It's still dividing. It's a wall of partition. It's still dividing. A wall parting God from man. So what is Jesus doing? He is one of us. We can't do it because we're uh, conceived in sin, shaping in iniquity, none good, no, not one. But not him. He has a virgin birth. He's a seed of the woman. Not of Adam. Not being that Literally, that's the reason the virgin birth there. He will have all his flesh and blood there from Mary, the seed of the woman. For the Holy Ghost, the Most High will overshadow you, Mary, and that holy thing born of you will be of the Holy Ghost. You will bear a son, little S-O-N, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, capital S-O-N. For he will save his people from their sin, Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. And she wondered at this saying. Well, when it came time for 
him to be baptized of John and Jordan. The voice came from heaven. Thou art my beloved son in whom well pleased. We're going to hear you him. We're not going to hear the law anymore. The law would say this, that, and the other. If you uh, commit adultery, let him die the death. But Jesus said, But I say unto you, He that looketh on a woman to lust after her in his heart has already committed adultery with her. Therefore, he took a natural law with a natural man, with a natural Israel, with natural boundaries, and took that natural law and brought it to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, elevating it from the law of Moses, uh, fulfilling it to the spiritual law of life in Christ Jesus. In and through himself alone. That's how much God loved us. That's how much he loved you. So 1 John 3, 16, Hereby perceive ye the love of God. How? Because he, God himself, laid down his life for us. Therefore, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We don't hardly see that kind of love anymore. It's called charity. Well, Jesus worked salvation in and of himself alone, but in the days of his flesh, because the law is still there, he is the spirit glorifying his own human back to himself, fulfilling the law in every aspect as a man. Therefore, Jesus will say, my father is greater than I. Why? Because he's emptied out of glory. He's made him no reputation. He's working as a man, even though he's God. He's working as a man. If he works as a spirit, then he's literally disannulled his own law. He's annulled it. Because a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. A man lost it. Romans 5. Only a man can redeem us back. God has become that man. But God is not working as God as spirit. He's laid aside that glory because he's working salvation and keeping that law Tempted at all points as a man. The Son of God is that Father revealed. Well, Jesus then, after, immediately after, he's baptized of John and Jordan. The Holy Ghost. Well, somebody said, well, wait a minute. He has the Spirit of God without measure. For God giveth not him the Spirit by measure. From the time he's born, conceived in, the, in Mary's womb, he is that Holy Ghost. Yes, we know that. But it's made him no reputation. He's going to work salvation as a man. He's not going to do any miracles works until age 30. Well, he's going to fulfill the law as a man. When we understand that principle, a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back with his own shed blood. That's got to be perfect, blameless, blameless, can't uh, literally try it in every aspect of the law yet without sin. Then he's one of us. He's tempted at all points. Every area of sin, spirit, soul, and body, yet Jesus had no sin. He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteous of God in him. It's by him and through him, all in Jesus. Well, when we understand that, we can begin to understand the love that God has demonstrated for us in the days of his flesh. He became one of us to redeem us.
Now, he starts his ministry at age 30. He can begin as he crucifies his flesh. The spirit that he is can break through lawfully. 100% through the law. As he crucifies his own flesh, the Holy Ghost can break through. Same way with us today. He made the way for us, showing us that we fast and pray, crucifying our flesh with the affections and the lust. Then Christ will break through us. We can see that the kingdom of God is not in enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of power of the Holy Ghost. How? Because you crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. You put off that old man and walk in that new man created after Christ Jesus. For I was crucified with Christ, Paul said, and yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There you are. It's Christ, and you're bought with a price. Your God bought you. Therefore, Jesus in the days of his flesh is working as a man, only as a man through the Spirit, offering himself through the eternal Spirit of God because he's emptied out of glory. He's made of no reputation to work as a man. Isaiah tells us this, Isaiah 43.10, Thus saith the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, invisible Spirit of God, and my servant whom I have chosen, that's the man, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he, the Spirit, God Almighty, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipotent, God, Yahweh, is he, the servant. That's God, manifest in the flesh. Before me, he tells us how he does it. Before me, God said, there was no God formed. God formed, yes. Jesus, being in the form of God, made himself of no reputation, took up another form. He formed himself a body of flesh and blood, made in the likeness of men, found in fashion as a man. Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Well, now we're getting into the revelation of Christ, the true Christ. Everything other than that is an antichrist because Christ is God, always has been God, and always will be God. You see that in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. The Old Testament prophets. Search diligently into the grace that should come unto us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ that was in them. They prophesied of the grace that should come by, by the Spirit of Christ that was in them, capital S. That's Moses. That's Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all the way to Malachi. Prophesied by the Spirit of Christ that was in them. Yes, Christ is that Spirit. Christ also is the man because God made himself a body of flesh and blood. Before him, there's no God formed, neither shall be after him. See, now that I am God, I am he, and beside me there is no other Savior. I am the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. There's no Holy Trinity. Never has been. It's a man-made fabrication. So we're heading for the final consummation of all things when the consumption decree will be upon the whole earth. The consumption decree will overflow in righteousness. What is righteousness? Jesus is God, always has been God, and always will be God, proceeded from God, came into the world, manifest, died, buried, rose again, went back to his former glory, and then gave us of his spirit. That's a height, depth, length, and width of Christ. 
So now, who's a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, something in lieu of Christ. Why? Because he has denied the Father. Why? Because Christ is the Father. And he's denied the Son. Why? Because the Son is the Father revealed. He that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Why? Because the Son is the Father revealed. All the fullness of that Godhead. The mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. That mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ is a mystery there. That are in him or hid. All treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Why did God hide it? He said in John 16, in righteousness, I will no longer in that day when I'm glorified, I'll no longer speak to you in Proverbs. I'm going to show you plainly of the Father. And you there that ask in my name, and I'll say not that I'll pray the Father for you. Because all the fathers loveth me, the Father loveth me and has given all things to me. All things, what? To the man, Christ Jesus, who was God, manifest in the flesh. Now, he has been what? Glorified back with the Father's own self. Not with the Son, but with the Father's own self. John 17, 5. Jesus prayed it in Gethsemane. Father, oh, Holy Father, glorify thou me with thine own self. Mm -hmm. with the glory I had with you before the foundation world, before I laid it aside so I could be seen of my creation. I want it all back. Glorified with the Father's own self. So therefore, when Jesus went to the cross, as he's down here in the days of his flesh, he's under the law, he's got to pray to the Father, glorifying his own human back to himself progressively. That's the reason he said, Father, glorify thou me. He said, I've glorified you. I will glorify you again. It's a progressive glorification. And he said, now the Father be glorified in the Son, the Son glorified in the Father. Yeah. No man knoweth who the Son is but the Father. But no man knoweth the Father but the Son. And to whosoever he will reveal him. It's got to be revealed. And when you do that, and you get into the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, the last book in the Word of God, we're going to be breaking that down, showing that He is the only Lord God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the A to the Z of all that God is, was, or ever will be, which is and was and is to come, the Almighty, Revelation 1.8. There's not another. It will be God manifest. In the last day work in judgments that all may know that he is God and there's not another. So basically, Jesus in the days of his flesh, God made himself of no reputation to work as a man, glorifying his own human back to himself. Then when Jesus had fulfilled as a man, emptied out of glory, just one of us, not working as spirit, but as a man, he walked on the water as a man, he healed the sick, cleansed the leper, raised the dead, cast out devil as a man through the eternal spirit. Just like us showing us the way, the truth, and life. 
After fulfilling all that law, what does he do? He takes that ordinances of that law, nails it to his cross, and thereby breaks down that middle wall of partition. It parted God from all mankind, thereby breaking, making them, thereby making peace and making one new man. That new man is Christ Jesus, Christ, that spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory, which is the Father. In Ephesians 4, it says there's one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who's above all, the Father of all, and in us all. The Father is that Christ. It is the Spirit of the Son in his glorification. You see in Galatians 4, verse 6, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son. He couldn't get it to us, the Spirit of the Father, because nobody, nobody had died. Nobody fulfilled the law. Nobody had taken the ordinances of that law that separated God from man in that wall of partition, except that wall be broken down, and the office of that Spirit that did it is the Son of God. The Son of God did it. The Father is the invisible Spirit. The Word is that uh, Logos, which is the thought, plan, purpose, and will of God in Spirit only. The Holy Ghost is that power office of the Spirit only. But the Son of God, that's that Spirit, all that Spirit, manifest in the days of His flesh, having two components, Spirit of God in a body of flesh and blood. But in the days of His flesh, He's made Him no reputation. The Spirit's not working. He's working as a man to work salvation. Only as a man that lost it, only a man that can redeem us back. When you see that, the love of God constrains us. That Holy Ghost showing the love of God that passeth all understanding. That God loved us so much that he became one of us to glorify his own human back to himself, making, uh, making a way for all of mankind to make many sons unto glory, being the way, the truth, and the life. So therefore, Jesus, in the days of his flesh, he there says, I literally lay down my life. Father, glorify me with thine own self. I want all that glory back that I put off. I want it all back. Then exactly he, as he had stated, he dies upon the cross. There, that last saying of Jesus, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. Human spirit went to the Father's hand. Nothing worthy of death. In his body, soul, or spirit. Death had no, could not hold him. Therefore, at that point, Jesus then resurrects after what is this that he first ascended? He first descended to the heart of the earth. And he said, Father, in thy hands I commend my spirit. And that spirit of God and the man won at that time, glorified. And then he goes into the heart of the earth and preaches to the spirit shut up in prison. All the ones that were in Father's Abraham, in, in the bosom of Abraham, <laughs> in the bosom of Abraham, he literally took those spirits of just men and took them into heaven. Paradise being moved again from the bosom of Abraham into heaven. Spirits of just men made perfect, he took with him. Now we're waiting for that resurrection. Our vile bodies being fashioned like in his glorious body, whereby he's able to subdue all things into himself. There, 
Jesus in the book of the Revelation is going to show us exactly in that unveiling, the revealing through these judgments where we have missed it, calling God a trinity, a binary, or a oneness when it was Jesus only all the time. A very simple, very simple gospel. God loved us, took on a body of flesh. He died for us in his own body, his own flesh, to glorify all humans, all mankind back to himself. So therefore, Jesus, as he died on the cross, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit, gave up the ghost, his human spirit. When they know what happened then, that, that uh, veil in the temple rent from top to bottom, 30 foot high, 3 foot wide, in his temple, literally, literally was torn from top to bottom. The need, needful thing to see is that law, all that ordinances of that law, he nailed it to his cross and literally broke down that middle wall of partition there by making the new way, making peace between God and mankind, making one new man. Now all we do is receive Jesus, born of the water and the spirit, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit, promises unto you, your children, and many are far off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call, still in effect today. But now we're going from babies to little children, to young men, to final fathers. We'll get into that, the steps in glory, going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. But Christ has to be taught without that revelation of Christ, Without that doctrine of Christ, if any man have not this doctrine of Christ, it is because there is no light in him. It is because there is no God. It's an antichrist. Whosoever does not abide in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. 2 John 9. Whoso believeth that Jesus is the Christ... God Almighty manifest in that flesh, died, rose again, went back to heaven, and gave us His Spirit. That's the height, depth, length, and width of Christ. That man is born of God. 1 John 5, 1. Well, there you have it. If you have any questions on Christ, be sure and contact us. We'd love to answer any questions you might have as literally servants to pop the rag, shine your shoes for the body of Christ. That's what we're called for there to minister and help any way we can and pray for uh, everything in the body of Christ to come into perfection to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. Write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or you can reach us at sealinggodspeople.org. You can write to us there. Or sealinggodspeople.com. Write to us there. Or dennisbeard.org and write to us there. We appreciate your offerings. That's about the only reason we can do that stay on and do the podcast, bringing them to you. Thank God for your prayerful support and your financial support as well. We love to hear from you, God bringing his body into one. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, the real Jesus.